Well, hello, 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 and, uh, welcome to Wake Up to the Word in his New Testament Friday, Friday, Friday. Yeah, happy to be here. We're so glad you're here, and, uh, we are, uh, into our New Testament reading, and uh, once again, we thank you for our new mug from Jessica. If you missed that yesterday, this is the Jeff's Stack of Stuff mug, and uh, we have a new silly habit that when we say Jeff's Stack of Stuff, we always put the reverb up on high, so I'll probably forget, but we'll, uh, we'll give it a try. It's fun. Um, <clears throat> we like to have fun. Our New Testament reading, if you got the note from last week, uh, it is not Matthew 10, but Matthew 16. So I hope you read Matthew 16. If not, we're going to cover Matthew 16 right now. So I hope you're there. Uh, and Mark chapter 8, there are some things in both of those chapters that we've already covered because we're in the Gospels and we've talked about this before. There's some parallel stories, and so we're not going to continue to repeat ourselves. We may make some references to what we've already talked about, but in general, we're not going to do the in-depth. Uh, we'll do the in-depth teaching the first time we hit an event, and uh, if there needs to be expanded on, if there's more information in another one, we'll talk about that. And feel free to ask questions if I miss some of the nuance because happy to go back and connect those dots because that's what we do. So let's let's get, let's get ready, ready to rumble in the word of God with Matthew 16. So here we go. Uh the Pharisees and Sadducees demand signs. Interesting stuff. This is an important portion of scripture uh, from Matthew 16. It's right there at the beginning. And the Pharisees and Sadducees came and, and tested him. They asked him to show them a sign from heaven. He answered them, when it is evening, you say, will it be fair weather for the sky is red? And in the morning it will be stormy today for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, <clears throat> but you cannot Interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given except for the sign of Jonah. So he left them and departed. So the sign of Jonah. And if you were with us during... Uh, on Word on Wednesday, <clears throat> we did, uh, during the Passover, we did uh, a whole Passover teaching and the walkthrough of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection because of that sign, the sign of Jonah, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. So that's an important prophecy that he says. He gives them a sign. So, <clears throat> so uh, 
stay tuned for that because we'll get back to that when we get to that portion of scripture. But I gave you the preview. And if you ever want to go and look at, go back, because you can look that up on Life Coast uh, family page on Facebook and go back to Easter and you will see the uh, Word on Wednesday teaching on the signs of Jonah. If you're curious, feel free to dive into that and go find it. Um, the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Uh, this is a uh, a whole story about them and uh, who they are. And there was um, another feeding of people in this. But the, what I want to talk about is not necessarily feeding of, of people, but um, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. See, these legalistic teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they lead you to worship the law instead of the lawgiver. And that's that's the problem. We 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 uh we're worshiping the wrong thing. We we start to put the law ahead of the lawgiver. The law is supposed to lead us to the lawgiver. It's not there to worship in and of itself, but that's what the Pharisees do. They put it on a pedestal and make it the end all be all for all things. So that is what we are trying not to do. The information is good, it's in our heart, but if the spirit is in our heart, it's going to lead us towards what the Lord wants us to do, what Jesus is calling us to do. The spirit is leading us towards obeying Christ in all that we do. That removes the need for the law, and the Pharisees are worshiping the law and not the lawgiver. They, they, they're not following the path. They're not reading the signs, as he said to the uh, Pharisees and the Sadducees. <clears throat> They're not figuring it out that there's an order to this. This is all supposed to be leading and pointing to Christ. Peter's confession of the Christ. So this, uh, this leads into a whole series of interesting events. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, and asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And he, and, and he said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets, or one of the prophets. <clears throat> and he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, that's Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. <clears throat> That's an interesting verse, and I'm actually going to look it up in the Greek because, oops, yeah, Matthew 16, and that is verse 18. So let me go there because I got a couple of things to point out to you in the Greek text. So I have it here, and it says, uh, And I tell you 
that you are Peter. I tell you that you are Peter, and the word there is Petros. And on this rock, Petra, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that hell is, let's see what it says. I'm looking for it here. Petra. And Hades. Gates of Hades. So, so, <clears throat> we got some interesting words going on here. Uh, is that uh, the Catholic Church looks at this verse and say Peter is the first pope because Jesus is telling him he's going to build his church on Peter. He says, "You, I call you Peter, which means rock, but Petros means big rock, uh, and Petra means little rock, and on this rock I will build my church, or very vice versa. Little rock, Petros, little rock, Petra, big rock. So Peter, he calls him the rock, sure, he calls him the pebble, the little rock, uh, but uh, Petra, on this rock, on this boulder, on this, uh, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. So a couple of things. Jesus is building the church. I will build my church. And it's G it's Christ's church. He's doing the building. And he says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So a couple of things. There's this big rock we have to identify because I don't think it's Peter. On this rock, this profession of faith, this revelation from the Father, Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon my Jonah, for flesh and blood is not revealed as to you, but my Father who is in heaven. There's a revelation that has happened that Peter has received, and you are Petros, you are this little rock, I call you a little rock, because on this rock, this huge rock, this revelation of understanding I will build my church because this is how the church is built. When people get a revelation of who Christ is, they become part of the church. That's what builds the church. This building block of stones, rocks, little rocks that build the church one soul, one person at a time. And you notice it says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, it doesn't mean that hell's coming after us. Hell is a stationary place. It means that we are advancing right past where hell is. We're going busting right through the gates of this hell that's trying to prevail against us. So it's a, I think it's a distinct importance to understand that Peter is not a pope. He never was a pope. He isn't a pope. Is he an apostle of uh, first 12 apostles, an apostle of the church? Absolutely. No question. Um, was he an important member? Yes, absolutely. He was one of the three that was within the, the circle. That inner circle, even within the twelve, there were the three that Jesus really got along with, John, James, uh, Peter, James, and John. And he really got along with these three, and he, and he, and he did a lot of things with those three. And, and so, yes, he's an important part of that, but he's not the first pope. And, uh, it, it's it the 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 papacy um is is um 
it's putting a person up on a pedestal when we're supposed to be putting Christ on a pedestal. And, and that's, and I'll just move on from there. Um, and then he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in, uh, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And, and the, the, the Greek can make this either way. It says, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you Whatever you, uh, whatever is bound in heaven, you shall bind on earth, and whatever is is loosed in heaven, you shall loose on earth. It's 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 uh, it sounds like it's the other way around, but uh, uh, the the Greek makes it so it can translate either way, and I believe that it's the the heaven initiated movement. Uh, based uh, particularly on how this is laid out, Christ, God gives the revelation to Peter. His revelation of understanding that Jesus is the Christ came from heaven. It started in heaven. And Jesus gives him the kingdom, the keys to the kingdom of heaven, which means he's now going to be getting uh, downloads from heaven. We all get downloads from heaven through the power of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Downloads, I use it present term for that but it's um so we 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 move in a heavenly way the whatever is loosed in heaven we loose on earth whatever is bound in heaven we bound bind on earth because we have the flow of information through the holy spirit that leads us that's the keys to the kingdom of heaven so um i don't believe these are literal keys i believe these are symbolic keys and uh, others believe differently that there's the keys that are the kind of literal spiritual keys, I guess you call them. I think it's symbolic. You have the keys. You, you have the keys, and that is that uh, Holy Spirit indwelling that's coming. He's, gonna, he's giving them the keys. I will give you the keys. I will give you the keys. So he's not, not got them yet, but he, they, he will get them. They got a taste of it. In this revelation about Jesus. So, foretelling of his death. This is another interesting part. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day, be raised. And Peter took him aside. There's Peter again. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. I don't I don't even know where to go there if you're rebuking Jesus. But it shows you the relationship. It shows you how much they viewed him as a man. Uh, and I think that's important. The humanity of Jesus is very uh is very real. And they viewed him as a as a man, not just not just as Messiah, but as a man. Because Peter felt like he had a good enough relationship with Jesus, walking with Jesus as a friend, that he could rebuke him. So he pulled him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, still calls him Lord, still has respect, this shall never happen. But he turned and said to Peter, that's Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. All right, let's talk about this Satan. This doesn't make sense when we think of Satan with a capital S, just like it has here, get behind me, Satan, uh, with Satan as a person. Why would 
Jesus be calling Peter the devil. Um, this doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Uh, we saw that, uh, we will see that when Judas uh, betrays, that he is, he is, uh, uh, the enemy comes to him. Uh, but here, he says, get behind me, Satan. He's calling him Satan when there's no direct correlation to, to Satan, or as we know Satan, the devil, as we think of Satan as the devil, uh, being uh, influential here. That doesn't, doesn't seem to be happening. This statement makes you think it's happening, but that's not what's being said. Um, and that's because we go all the way back to the Old Testament, and we understand that Satan is not a name, it's not a, a moniker, it is a title, it is a position, it's, it's, it's a part of the divine council. And if you look at it that way, you'll, you'll understand that for, for Jesus to create this world that has the freedoms in it that it does, there always has to be a contrary opinion. And within his divine counsel, he has a position of the Satan. The Satan holds a position, adversary. He always has an adversarial opinion. He points out the adversarial options. He, he's pointing to the adverse of God's plan or God's uh, pre presentation. We go to Job, and we can see this clearly. Uh, we already went through the book of Job, and we talked a, a bit about this then. But this really highlights it, so that's why I'm bringing it up again. <clears throat> is that we think that Satan came in with the angels, but what is pictured there is a divine council meeting, and Satan came in because the Satan is part of the divine council and should always be there and always gives adversarial advice, always is the contrarian, always pointing out the negative options. <clears throat> so when Peter steps into that role, Jesus tells him, this is what must happen. When you look at verse 21, his disciples, that he must go to Jerusalem. He must suffer. He must be killed and must rise on the third day. He's saying, this is the plan. This, this is not negotiable. I must do this. And so when Peter says, well, this is not going to happen. We're not going to let this happen. He says, he looks at him and he recognizes someone sitting in the seat of the Satan, the contrarian, the adverse opinion. So he says, get behind me, Satan. He says that, no, no opinion, get behind me. Your opinion has been heard. It's in the past. We're not, we're not going to consider it. It's not being considered. Get behind me. So that's what's going on there, and I have an article that you can go to, and uh, it's right here, and I have put it, linked it into Jeff's stack of stuff that you can uh, go to, and uh, I'll just give you a few little quotes from it. 
it says, uh, um, Biblical Hebrew does not put the definite article, the word the, on the personal pronoun on a person's name. In this respect, Hebrew is like English. I don't call myself the Jeff. Well, this is the Mike, the writer of the article. No one does, says, except Donald Trump. I'm really rich. Because, probably because he's really rich. Uh, he puts the, the Don. I'm really rich. Yeah, he puts the Don on there. Thank you, Donald. We know. Um, the, the, the Hebrew simply does not, it does not do this as well as the well-known biblical Hebrew references grammar. Um, no proper noun of personal takes, uh, of person, of a person takes the article, not even when it is in the form of an adjective or a participle. That's from uh, Johan Maruoka. And um, without exception, the word Satan in Job, in Job occurs with the article, the. Uh, this indicates quite clearly that Satan is not, not a personal name. It is generic. It means adversary. The word can be used of human beings, and it is in multiple places in the Old Testament. First uh, Samuel, Second Samuel, First Kings, uh, uh, five, First Kings, eleven. All of these examples have Satan without the article, but it's a reference to a human, just like this one with Peter. And this one with Peter doesn't have an article, but that's in the Greek, not the Hebrew. So there's a distinction there too. <clears throat> but there are some places in even in the Greek where uh, Satan has an art. The Satan has an article. I have to look some of those up. It's not in this article here. So we get a little conclusion here. Uh, so where does that leave us? It says, basically, the Satan in Job is an officer of the divine council, sort of like a prosecutor. Uh, his job is to run to and fro throughout the earth and to see who is who's not obeying Yahweh when he finds someone who isn't and is therefore under Yahweh's wrath. He accuses that person. This is what we see in Job, and it actually has a distinct New Testament flavor. Uh, we also see it in Zechariah chapter 3. So go to that article. That is in Jeff's stack of stuff. And uh, you can go to that at wakeuptotheword.org and go down on the left side into Jeff's stack of stuff. Almost missed it there. And uh, you'll you'll find the link to that article. Look for the Divine Council uh, uh, graphic, and it'll it'll point you to that. Um, I try to put the episodes of where each are each uh, graphic that I put up in the link that goes to an, something I've read or or read about it. <clears throat> and so you, uh, this is uh, episode thirty eight, New Testament thirty eight, NT thirty eight. And uh, if you look for NT38 under the graphic, th that'll be this. Uh, um, that'll be th this document in Jeff's stack of stuff that uh, is on that episode. Okay, so um, Jesus talks about take up his cross. He says, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I've talked about this in the past. Jesus hasn't gone to the cross yet, and this would be a very confusing statement. That they wouldn't really understand it until the cross. But Jesus um, 
his the cross was his mission and that's what he's telling us take up your mission daily and follow him that's what this is about so um so then he goes on down the bottom he says uh, down the bottom uh verse 26 for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul or what shall a man give in return for his soul verse 27 of chapter 16 for the son of man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So that caused some confusion that we'll talk about next week. I've already talked about it, the transfiguration. I'll talk more about it uh, next next week. So that brings us to Mark. Our next uh, New Testament uh, chapter is Mark chapter 8. Checking that off. And um, this one, Jesus feeds the 4,000. We've already talked about that. Pharisees demand signs. We've already talked about that. <clears throat> the leaven and the Pharisees, we've talked about that. Jesus heals a blind man. And they came to Bethsaida. And, and this is a, this is a, uh, uh, um, a rerun of a healing, but it has more information. So I'm going to, I'm going to go through it a little bit. Um, so the, he has the blind man and he took the blind man by the hand and led him out to the village. And when he had spit on his eyes, disgusting, um, when he had spit on his eyes, uh, and laid his hands on him, he said, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly, and he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. Very strange, but um, what I want to hit on here is the... Two stages of the healing. Now, we talk about uh, why would Jesus heal in two stages. But, you know, even if you look at uh, the creation account, uh, the earth was formless and empty. And then over the seven-day period, six days and a day of rest, Jesus created. So it's not unlike God to do things in stages. And this healing is in stages. He healed him so he had some sense of vision, very blurry, so it looked like leaves and, and uh, so blurry that he couldn't make out what it was. And so it looked like trees walking. So apparently the guy had sight prior because he knew what trees looked like and he had lost his sight. So um, <clears throat> I just wanted to touch on that. I thought it was uh, very interesting that the stages to this healing and uh, see, what well, sometimes we put God in this little box that says, well, God, you know, if he's going to heal, he's going to, uh, heal fully all at once, but that's, you know, that's just, God does things the way God wants to do things, and uh, he reveals it to us. It, it it doesn't put him in a box that says, this is how he has to do it all the time. That's not how he has to do it all the time. Um, I mean, I, I can I can give you, you know, he raised Lazarus from the dead, but Lazarus still died. So God can do anything he wants. As a matter of fact, Lazarus probably died before Jesus did again. And he goes, well, you raised me from the dead. For what? To show that I had the power over death. And so, uh, and and then Jesus died and, and rose again as well. But 
but they were looking for Lazarus to kill him. There's text about that because what well, he's evidence of the Messiah. So they had to get him out of the way. So uh, Lazarus didn't have long to live after he rose from the dead. But these are the kind of things that we think, well, Lazarus probably lived a long, healthy life. No, I don't, I don't believe that's true. I think Lazarus was killed shortly afterwards, but gave glory to God. He, 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 uh, he, he, he was, it was part of God's plan to, to reveal that. So scratchy. <clears throat> so, um, Jesus foretells his death and resurrection. And this is again, the same story, uh, about, Peter, and uh, he rebuked him, and he said, get behind me, Satan. So this is all that same story in chapter 8. So that is what we have. That's all we have for this. And what am I, 29 minutes? Oh, that's perfect. We are rocking and rolling. End of the week. We are well over 900 uh, plays, and we thank you for that. Love you guys. You are all awesome, and uh, we... Have a great weekend, Mother's Day weekend. Don't forget, that's your hookup, guys. Mother's Day weekend. Love your mothers. Let them know that you care about them. Get them something nice. Buy them a great meal. And, and we'll be back. Thank you, Arnold. I was just getting to that.